You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. Yo, 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 what's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. It's the Draft Deck NBA Draft Show on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. My name's Corey Tullib. I'm here as always with my co-host, Albert Garbage Time Gim. Albert, what's going on, man? Uh, it's uh, it's hot as hell in, in Los Angeles, but um, cool inside <laughs> and um, excited to talk, man. Um, I, I really like that we're doing these like uh, like the groupings of players rather than just doing one guy right now because yep. <clears throat> I was talking to somebody earlier today, actually. Uh, a renowned uh, person in our space but um he was telling me like dude like this point of the season just don't freak out you don't have to have really strong opinions about anybody but keep a wide net you know and look at a lot of different guys and look at a lot of different situations and keep an open mind and so i actually think it's perfect what we're doing right now doing multiple guys per episode and i'm excited about the trio that we have today uh, great advice. And I think it's really pertinent to the trio that we're covering today. Cause I think these guys are like the wild card group a little bit. Um, you know, we could have started off with, you know, your DJ Wagner's and Ron Holland's and Isaiah, uh, Collier's, you know, these guys that have this kind of top five, top 10, uh, buzz heading into the year. But you know, we got plenty of time to in the preseason, thanks to the fact that we're hitting these trios. And, you know, we were we're just in the no ceilings group chat, like going back and forth, like who's interesting. And um, I think for this show, uh, it's it's the perfect time to get a little funky, mess around with some wild cards and, and just cover guys in a really loose you know, base cast a wide net and uh, chuck some darts at the board for guys that were high on early in the year um, that we find interesting. So that's what we're going to do here. And we're going to start off Albert with uh, somebody who I was, I'm really happy that I got to see in person. Um, And that's AJ Johnson. He is headed to the Illawarra Hawks in the NBL originally had committed to Texas before decommitting. And uh, I think he's somebody that, you know, um, the no ceilings crew is found really interesting. I know, you know, you texted me last week um, saying that he was somebody who was really intriguing to you. So uh, we're going to, you know, kind of run through his basic game and, 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 teach everybody what they should expect watching him this season um, as we head into the 2024 NBA draft cycle. So uh, what are your just like overall initial impressions um, about AJ's game? Um, first off, Corey, I, I want to go back to the point that you made before about this being a group of wild cards. I, I couldn't agree with you more, dude. Like I think this trio right here, uh, the the variance of outcomes that we can get with these three guys is extremely, extremely wide. Um, honestly, <clears throat> sorry, by the time the draft comes, they might be top 10 guys. Uh, but then also some of the, they may also be second round guys. Like we really don't know. Um, and I think it's really interesting to look at them. And I think AJ Johnson is a great 
place to start. Um, <clears throat> you can't help but wonder uh, what that Texas team would have looked like if him and Ron Holland ended up going there. Um, but with AJ, I think he's interesting, man. I think the size is good. Uh, long, lanky build. Um, the first thing that I wrote in my notes is he, he. I really hope he bulks up a little bit. Um, he is pretty thin. Uh, he's kind of to the point where like he looks narrow to me, if that makes sense. And um, I mean, I, I think he's got you know good athleticism, good passing feel. Uh, the shot is interesting, um, is what I wrote because I'm not in love with it, nor do I hate it. But uh, I think that's kind of like where I want to start. Oh, sorry, Corey, I actually can't hear you. You know what? I was mute. I was oh. muted. <laughs> uh, AJ is a six foot, six inch combo guard. I would classify him as. He's a guy who can play with the ball in his hands. He's a guy who can play off the ball as well. And, um, you know, I think that starting with his shooting is is smart because I think for AJ, you know, that's kind of going to be one of the major swing skills. I mean, I think he's a good shooter already. I'll just start that there, but it's like, how great of a shooter is he slash? Can he be? Because if he's a great off the bounce shot maker, it raises his ceiling, especially in a draft class like this. Now I'll say like, I got a chance to see him up close at the Iverson classic. And he was a guy who out of that entire grouping, I was like, yo, this kid is on another level. Like he just stood out to me in a way where it was like he moved differently than everybody else. I mean, it's a, it's an all-star game setting, so it's free flowing. It's up and down, definitely fit his style really well, but it looked so effortless. And like in a game where everybody's kind of shot hunting, everything came naturally it flowed like he wasn't forcing his shots, but he was still getting off uh, when he had the ball and he just didn't have to work as hard as everybody else to get these looks off. So I, I think with his shooting, I mean, and we see in this, this clip in this highlight video that, that we just saw, like he could knock some shots down with a hand in his face off the bounce. And I, I think that is an integral skill for a shot creator. And it's one that some of the other guards in this class don't necessarily have in their bag in the same way that AJ does. So you said that you, you don't love it. You don't hate it. What are your concerns or what do you, what do you like about it? You know, take me through why you have these feelings um, with his shot. I'm so sorry. I feel like mechanically, I really like the shot a lot. I think where I'm, I want to see, not that I'm even questioning it or doubting it. I want to see what it looks like in the NBL against tougher competition. Um, and I want to see him do it more off the dribble is kind of where I'm at. Um, once again, I, I'm not doubting it. I'm not saying that he's going to be uh, that. I think he's a bad shooter or at all, but I'd like to see a little bit more off the bounce um, because Corey, I think what you said is extremely important um, where he ends up as an off the dribble shooter may really swing where his uh, draft stock actually ends up because I think the size length athleticism is there. Um, And I think it's only going to get better in my opinion. Uh, The playmaking, obviously you're showing a clip right here. It's there. I I think I'm not saying he's an elite playmaker, but I think it's good enough for a guy that we'll probably consider a combo wing 
Um, you know, he may even grow to be six, seven, six, eight, who knows, right? So to have that type of playmaking, I think is awesome. It's just, I, I thought at times the shooting off the dribble uh, could get a little bit tighter, a little bit better. But um, that's the thing about being a high school player. And now going into the NBL, I think he's going to get some really good professional coaching uh, down there uh, in the down under uh, for the Illawarra <laughs> Hawks, uh, playing alongside uh, some good players down there as well. And, you know, formerly um, uh, Lamelo played there as well. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it'll be a good opportunity for uh, me, like just for me and on the scouting side to see how that continues to develop and what it looks like against different competition. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping he kind of has the same freedom that LaMelo had there. Yeah, yes. Because LaMelo was given the keys, and and I kind of feel like he's going to be given the keys as well. Now, he's a different kind of player. There's definitely similarities between uh, he and LaMelo, but um, there there are some some similarities, and in, in I think stylistically, in how they can play in that league. And LaMelo had free reign, boy. Um, now... I, I think that's going to be good for him because I think he needs those those reps. Um, the shot creation, I, I mean, I think he he can certainly dance with the ball and get those shots off. Uh, he's got a quick trigger. I think he shoots a smooth ball. But I think, you know, like that's kind of like end of shot clock stuff. Like when he mm -hmm. does that, it's very Jamal Crawford-esque. Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, I, I think he's going to be a guy who's just like really thriving in ball screens. Um especially in the NBL, you, you know, you mentioned um, him playing in that league. He's really skinny. And that frame, which he's definitely working on, you see videos of him. He's in the gym with Jalen Green. Jalen Green is like his brother, brother, somebody he grew up with. Um, so, you know, they're very, very close. So they're training together. They've been training together for years. He's going to the pro runs. Like he's getting himself prepared at, at least to to play against, you know, highly talented physical guys in that league. But still, it's something that, you know, I, I think like he could dance with the ball and somebody gets in him and just physically they might bump him off the spot a little bit, throw him off his game, his rhythm in a way that high school kids, you know, really can't do consistently. You know, you mm -hmm. have kids every now and then who who can match up and, and overwhelm him physically. But for the most part, you know, it's it's all lanky kids who are growing into their frames. That's not going to be the case. But I think that um, his pick and roll play, his ability to shoot off screens going in either direction, like coming mm -hmm. off and shooting, pulling up, going to his right, which is, you know, more difficult for some shooters. It's much easier for righties to pull up to their left. He, mm -hmm. could, he could do it both ways. He's He's got like little crafty moves where he could like step back on closeouts to create space. I, I really think that he is a guy who's going to be considered more of a shot maker than a shooter but i think that the shot is pretty damn smooth as is and i also like that he can shoot it off the ball off the catch and that'll allow him to um not only knock down spot up easy looks off the catch but to also attack those those closeouts get into the paint and make use of that playmaking and that rim attack ability yeah uh, Corey, just to kind of you know, bounce off of some of the things that you said there. Something that I wrote in my notes here, uh, when he's attacking the rim, uh, I wrote, he doesn't bounce off of guys, but guys just kind of bounce him. 
Um, and then I think that's kind of a product of the frame. But Corey, like you said, like he's really close to Jalen Green. Um, I was watching this video where they're talking about how he's known him since he was in like seventh, eighth grade, been working out with him for a very long time. That's why they they, they call him like Jalen Green's brother, uh, although they're not for our listeners out there. They're not actually brothers. They're just that close. I want to make that clear for you guys. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you, Corey. I think the passing feels really good. I think the shot. Um, I'm with you once again, like I, I'm not a hater of the shot. I just want to see it against a little bit harder competition and, um, you know, what it looks like against more physical defenders and how he gets it off and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. And Corey, I I did want to say like, I know he's called like Jalen Green's brother. So people will talk about that. I wanted to ask you what type of athlete do you think he is? Because when I was watching, I thought he was a good athlete. Now, growing up, even in our Korean American context, we had some really athletic dudes. And I, I think back to one of my buddies in college, his name was Andrew. And he, wow, man, probably like, he probably maxed out at like 150 pounds um, <laughs> at like five, seven, five, eight. But he would just glide in the air, um, could dunk, could grab the rim, two hands, like, no problem at all. And watching AJ Green, eh, sorry, wow, AJ Green. Now I'm mixing the two. I'm going <laughs> to the NFL. The but um, <laughs> AJ Johnson, maybe it's also because I saw Bengals on the screen before. But um, <laughs> AJ Johnson is clearly a lighter guy. He is athletic. I'm not saying he's not an athlete, but I, w- I wondered to what level do you see his athleticism? Because I thought he was a good athlete, but I didn't see elite athleticism, but also. I might just be kind of in my head about it. So kind of wanted to pick your brain. No, I don't think you are at all. I, in my nose, I I literally have good athlete. Uh, I think, I think he meets the requisite athletic thresholds to not be athletically overwhelmed as he goes up levels. Uh, now I think he's one of those guys, like he's long and lanky, um, with, I've, I don't know what his wingspan is yet. You know, that information for high school kids is typically pretty hard to to get. But I think that he's one of those guys that because he's so long, you know, he can kind of, you know, uh, when he's dunking, maybe it looks like he's got more vertical pop than he does because, you know, he can kind of almost dunk on the way up sometimes. But, you know, he could throw a windmill down um, and, and when he's got space, I think he could really take off. But I just think as he gets stronger, as he starts putting muscle onto that frame and healthy muscle and um, muscle with direction, not just like getting in the weight room aimlessly to get, you know, like actually having professional strength training programs to, to make him more athletic. I think you'll see more of that. And I, I do think that, you know, he's going to put some people on a poster at times. I don't think it's going to be a consistent thing, but like, you know, if he gets stronger, I, I do think he's got the ability with a runway to like get up to a point where it's like, if you're late, you might end up, on that that poster um what i'll say is though like i don't think the bounce is super important yeah for him um because i think he's very skill-based i think that athletically the area i want to see him improve on the most is kind of like that first step Mm. first uh because like i don't think he's slow um i think he has some quickness but i think that if he can master that kind of like slow to like lightning quick you know i'm not saying he has to be Amen thompson or anything but just really really uh expanding on that burst you know like a a track athlete you know shooting off the line uh i think that would really help him as he goes up levels and i think it's somewhere he can get to but um yeah i think he's just a good not special 
athlete. And I yeah. think it, it meets the requisite thresholds. I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. I, that's what I wrote. I wrote the same thing too. I think he's a good athlete. Didn't see anything that was great. Um, but, but Corey, I think the point you made after that is important too, where, um, maybe he doesn't need to be an elite athlete, especially if most of his games can be predicated on his skill and the finesse part of his, his stuff. And I, I was reading the, uh, the athletics of a 2024 mock draft and, uh, they were saying how he needs to work on his mentality because he's more of a pass first guy than a shoot first guy. And I was like, well, I think I disagree. I kind of don't mind that he's a pass first guy because I think it's really cool to have a six seven, six six um initiator that, you know, is looking to keep his teammates involved and pass the ball. Now, of course, like if he, you know, if if they think that he needs to do more of the scoring, but like at the same time, like I I, I don't I don't see it as a major issue, especially at his age. Like I'd rather have a guy like this who is a pass first guy who's looking to be selfless and get everyone involved, and then continues to work on his scoring game as his body fills out. I, I think I'm totally fine with that as well. So just kind of wanted to throw that in there because I don't see it as a major issue. I also don't necessarily know if I would classify him as pass first. Mm. I. I don't know if I would classify him as shoot first. I, I think, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think I would classify him as pass first. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that some of the teams he played on, like he almost had to be shoot first. Like on that Donda team, yeah. like Rob Dillingham, um, another kid who's going to LSU. Like if he didn't shoot first, like my dude <laughs> was not getting the rock back. Like he ain't getting it back. Um, on SoCal, uh, he's playing with Garway Dual, who uh-huh. we really like who really showed out at the hoop summit and Dual was the point guard on that team, right? Like AJ was kind of the off guard. So I I mean, I actually, you know, as far as his playmaking goes, I think that he's shown a really high knack for um, either like getting into the paint and making those like last second, like collapse of defense, improvise and, and hit like a cutter or a shooter or, even like coming off a ball screen and hitting that little like wraparound pass for like a yeah. pick and pop where I think that I want to see him improve as a playmaker is making those next level reads like the consistent, like I'm coming off the ball screen to my right and or my left. I'm pulling the help side um, to split the court. And now I can hit, make those weak side hits consistently. That's where I want to see him improve on. And I think, you know, the NBL, it's going to be a good place for him to kind of work on those skills. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, it's hard to, for a guy like him, six, 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 five, six, 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 seven, whatever he ends up being by the time he mm-hmm. gets drafted. Um, yeah, even if he is pass first with those shot creation skills, I still yeah. think that's a really valuable guy. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. Now, my major concern with AJ, especially going to the NBL, which is a physical league, is the rim finishing. Hmm. Because he is skinny, even if he's working on his body, it's not like that transformation is going to be complete by the time that that league Mm -hmm. starts playing and finishes its season, right? Like this is a young kid who's going to have to put a ton of work into that. I think he's got these crafty, you know, Euro steps and getting into the lane and the the touch stuff. When he's got to go into someone's chest, you've said it, he gets moved off his spot. And I think that's going to be an area that we perceive as a weakness because right now it is, 
a weakness for him. He's he doesn't have the the strength to uh, consistently go into people and handle that physicality and and draw a ton of free throws and um, and do that consistently. So that's kind of what I'm going to be interested in watching is just how like those rim percentage uh, percentages end up and how that is perceived by like the scouting community as like, are we going to overreact to it if he's not finishing at the adequate level um, and we're going to drop him a ton or, you know, are we going to give him some leeway because he is playing in a pro league? That's kind of like, is he going to be LaMelo or RJ Hampton in perception mm. is kind of where I'm at. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. The physicality is going to be something he's really going to have to adapt to. And as we've seen in the past, the NBL is not uh, a soft league by any stretch of the imagination. That's a pretty tough league. You know, those guys down there, they they play a physical brand of ball. Um, it's a, it's also like a pretty fast paced league. Like from mm-hmm. what I remember, NBL, it's a lot of transition stuff, which will be good for him. Right. Like he likes to run Big out time. of transition and do stuff like that. But. Uh, no matter where you're playing on planet earth, there is going to be half court basketball and there are going to be uh, different situations where he's going to have to figure out how to finish uh, through larger people. And um, I, I think Corey, you mentioned it there, there are certain flashes with him that are nice. I, I think um, the footwork is pretty good. He's shown like a pretty nice Euro step when he gets in the lane, different angles, utilization of his length, all that is good, but um, I mean, there, there could be some really strong dudes and the type of strength that he's never seen before. Um, I mean, he's probably seen it in pro runs, but to see it on a consistent basis in a league that he's playing in, I think it will be a little bit different. So to see how he copes with that, it will be good. But Corey, I, I think I'm on the side where I, maybe it's because of what happened with LaMelo, um, but I feel like I'm going to end up on the side of like being a little bit more lenient with him um, because when LaMelo was coming out, I was so hard on LaMelo and I was like dude like so much of what he's doing is so nasty and it's disgusting and I hate it but (laughs) what we came to learn later on was that yeah I mean even now LaMelo is not the perfect player but I feel like he is a better version of uh, of a player than what we saw in the NBL because I felt like also a lot of what he was doing in the NBL was kind of getting out some of the bad stuff yeah you know some of the poison some of the venom was coming out with him just doing dumb things in the NBL and learning from him so I think with AJ, I think he'll have a good opportunity to go down there and try things, experience a level of basketball that he probably hasn't experienced on a consistent level. And, you know, I also think his team will be pretty good, too. And I say that just because, you know, my guy Hyunjung Lee is on his team. And I think the type of spacing and, you know, connectivity that he has that playing next to AJ will be beneficial to him as well. So I'm excited for the experience as a whole. But I really do think that for me personally, at least, I think I might be a little bit more lenient when it comes to his evaluation later on. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you hundred percent. You know, it's funny. I, I was really hard on LaMelo too. And like, I had him at three. So like, even with all of how much I hated the way he played at times, it was like, he's just so ob- obnoxiously talented that like at six, eight or whatever that you, you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I, I definitely think that that is going to, you know, be like, all right, we we hated a lot of the stuff that he did, but he was experimenting. It's almost, mm-hmm. I, and it's something that I've like carried over to like how I evaluate like overtime, too. Like, uh, yeah, there when there's not a lot of structure, it's you can't learn everything, but I think there are things that you can learn because they're getting to like experiment in ways that maybe he wouldn't have if he stayed committed to Texas, 
right? And he'd have to play much more structured. And that would be good. There are things you can learn like that. But there's also stuff that you can learn pushing your boundaries um, against grown men. So I'm really excited to to see how that goes. Where uh, where do you have AJ? Like right now, like obviously, um, you know, our boards are are very fluid. So, you know, I, I don't think that you need to give me like a exact ranking, but like where, um, like what kind of range are you thinking about him kind of preseason? Um, so something I mentioned before is that like my big board isn't necessarily a big board. It's just like a list of names, but I just looked at it and I started laughing because I'm, I have him right behind Justin Edwards, but that is not, <laughs> that is not an accurate representation of where I have AJ Johnson. That's just how my list looks right now. Um, but, um, I, I think right now with how excited I am about his game, although I feel like I haven't sounded that excited about him on this pod. Um, but no, I, I like him kind of like in my top 15 right now mm-hmm. is kind of how I feel, um, where I feel like I could even push him higher or push him lower. I feel very kind of in the middle, which is why I feel like 15 is a nice place because, I see him as a first round talent, but I feel very weird about where I think he's going to end up on my board. So right now I would say like top 15 ish. Yeah. I think I have him at like five or six, but like a weary five or six, just because of the MBL thing. Like, and before I, until I see his role, like I don't want to get like too overly excited about it. And I think that like going back to the frame, you know, having, you know, we'll see how the, the defense looks there. Uh, can't look worse than Lamelo's did, so <laughs> that'll be good at least. But uh, yeah, I I I just he blew me away at the at the Irison Classic, man. Got it. Like, and he's undoubtedly gotten better since then because he's been working. Um, so I just think the trajectory that he's on and the raw talent and like if he just ends up somewhere where they can really mold it, and hopefully this year that's this is one of those spots. Uh, I think the sky is the limit for him as far as potential goes. And uh, I, I think, you know, worst case for a guy like him, it's like, you're like, ah, maybe he could be Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams or something. So I think he's got, and he's got the size and the length to, as he does fill out, like at least he could have some, you know, positional versatility. So I, I I'm kind of, I'm kind of in on, on that right now. I think that his potential's through the roof. He could be a big time riser, but I'm not married to to the ranking of any of the guys that, that we're covering today. So let's sit on uh the next guy that I wanted to talk about. This is a guy that most people probably are not going to be like uh super familiar with unless you know you're a Kentucky fan. And um a the arrow from Kentucky is somebody who as soon as I watched him at Global Jam, hmm. I was like, this is my guy <laughs> in this draft cycle. <laughs> like, I love this dude. Um, he's uh, going to be a sophomore for Kentucky this year. He didn't play too much as a freshman. But if you watch those Global Jam games, like, this kid has got some shit to him, man. Like, he really has some funk. And he's one of these guys who, late growth spurt, like, recruited as a point guard. Like, the body transformation on him. Um, people that I've, I've spoken to behind the scenes have told me that, uh, people within Kentucky believe he's not done growing yet. So this is a guy who right now, I think he's about six, six that you can envision like 
if this kid gets to six, eight, now we're talking about like one of these crazy versatile wings. So what, what was your first impression of Biero? Well, first off, Corey, when you first brought up Fierro, I think it was a couple of weeks back in our in our group chat, uh, I did a little deep dive. Uh, I watched his uh, freshman season at Kentucky, which took me about, I don't know, four or five minutes. Um, didn't play much for Kentucky last season, right? Um, so essentially, it was like a redshirt freshman year for him. Um, but something that needs to be mentioned is from the time that he arrived uh, – in Kentucky till now it's been reported that he's added about like 37 pounds um (laughs) just pretty insane um I've seen photos online of what he looked like when he first got there to what he looks like now and it's like incredible um how much mass he's (laughs) added um so he's kind of the he's like we're you look at Fierro and then you go, okay, hopefully AJ Johnson can have that type of transformation as well. <laughs> you know, maybe not 37 pounds, but even sure. if 17 <laughs> pounds, we'll take that. Um, but yeah. Okay. So the first thing with Fierro is that this guy is um, in some ways, not, not a one for one, but in some ways he feels like a modern day junkyard dog um, for me with how hard he plays. Um, this is a guy Shout that out Jerome like, Robinson. Jer- uh, yeah. Jerome Williams. But Jerome um, Williams, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not not the, the, the Clippers must. <laughs> I was like, mm. <laughs> very different comp. But um, no, I, just watching him play. It's like, OK, here's a guy that cares about winning basketball, a guy that really likes to compete, a guy that is not afraid of physicality. Mm. Uh, he likes bumping into guys uh, full power and he enjoys watching them fly uh, to the ground Um, he could have been a really good football player uh, just you know if you look at his physicality but he's also but also Corey I've seen online that he some people think that he's already grown to six seven six eight Mm. Um, and why Calipari has talked about playing him a little bit at the four this season because of you know that continued growth but um yeah Corey I I think the first initial thing that jumps off the page is the, the competitive spirit this guy has like he plays really 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 hard um and on the defensive side of the ball I thought there were a lot of things to like but I think this is a good place for you know you to kind of take over I had some questions about his offense, right? But I would mm-hmm. like to hear kind of because I haven't even heard like why you like him. So this might be a good time to kind of hand it over. So I think this is a guy that if you're just like on synergy watching clips of DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards, like you miss on. Mm. Like if you're not watching full games, yeah, you're not gonna notice a guy like this necessarily. But when you watch the tape, there is this like undeniable feeling that you have as far as like how he can impact the game in a a whole bunch of ways. And he's just one of these guys that like, you just saw it on the clip here, like running in for the putback, um, you know, finish. Like he just makes winning plays all over the court. Like you said, he finishes through physicality. Like he is fine with you trying to contest his shot. He's got this really nice hang time in the air Mm -hmm. and he'll finish through that contact. You are not going to bump him off the spot and if you do like it was a hard foul he's going to the line and he's going to get right back up there's a toughness to him uh and when i look at at all of the things that he offers you see the shades of the point guard that he was recruited as because i Mm. think that he's a crafty passer he'll throw a hit ahead he'll find cutters um i i don't think that he's a guy at kentucky that you're gonna see like 
initiating pick and roll, like you said. Like I think he's somebody who's more of like a three. They're going to utilize him as like a three four, but like a a toolsy one. So you're yeah. going to see flashes of those passes, and like it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't shock me at the next level if you do see him running pick and roll. Um, but he's a guy that I think is going to attack closeouts, get downhill to attack the hoop, and he'll go and finish. But he's also perfectly fine making that kick out and i think he's got a high iq a good feel for the game um offensively and he just does all the little things that are really going to stand out the shot mm-hmm. is the swing skill right yes. like um he shot 33 last year on really low volume 70 percent at the line um i think he maybe hit one three at global jam in the four games so you got to buy into the shot a little bit for him to be like a lottery riser of sorts, you know, like, cause I, I think he's a top 20 guy on my board coming into the year, like maybe even a top 50, like probably a top 15 guy. Sure. I think that there's a chance at the end of the year, he's the second best prospect on Kentucky. Uh, and I know you're like, Oh, they got Rob Dillingham. They have uh DJ Wagner, just like, I, I just think that this is a guy that he doesn't have to be a superstar. Yeah. So, I, you know, maybe you don't draft him so high because of that. But when we talk about like what a guy like him can offer the next level, I just think he does so much. You see him moving off the ball here, cutting in for the dunk. Like he doesn't need the ball in his hands, but he can play with it. So as long as he just knocks down spot up shots, you know, I don't, we're not going to see him at Kentucky next year you know, shooting off the bounce shots, knocking down threes when guys go under pick. That's not what we're going to see. But Mm -hmm. if he is just adequately knocking down open spot up jumpers, that'll allow teams to force him to put the ball on the deck, like where they just got to close, they're going to close out to him. He's going to be able to take advantage of that and use all of the skills that he has. So um, also great offensive rebounder. Like, you know, he's, he sneaks in like, and then defensively, like, I think he can guard multiple positions. He's strong enough with all that mass. He talks about him putting on that. He's going to be able to guard up. He's got quick hands. And then the weak side rim protection stuff is sick. Like he has such great instincts. Like, you know, I was telling you beforehand, the reason we're only doing highlights and not clips in this episode is, you know, my computer is just acting up and I couldn't transfer the clips, but there's this one possession. It's like a 30 something second clip where he is just doing everything defensively, starting out like on the ball, switching getting down into help position walls off a drive then they have to kick the ball back out swings to the opposite side and he comes over on the help side and just sends the ball into the stands like he is just one of these swiss army knife guys um that i just buy and i think that when i look at the shot like it's a little bit disjointed sure uh, and like, it doesn't always move synergistically, but I think that each individual aspect of it is like workable enough and smooth enough. Like it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it's a touch issue necessarily. It just seems like, uh, let's get this guy some reps, which he didn't really have last year. So yeah. I just, he's so fun. And I just think he's going to be one of those guys that you can't keep off the floor because he impacts the game in too many ways. And it doesn't matter if, you know, Kentucky wants to play, you know, Bradshaw and a visage, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at the the four and the five, he could slide to the three. Yeah. You know, like if Edwards is on the floor playing the three, like I don't know, put him in the backcourt. Like it doesn't matter. Like just put him on the court and let him be a basketball player. <sighs> no, I 
That was a great answer. I, I think for me, Corey, like the, the main thing that I wanted to hear from you was like where you saw his upside, right? And I think for me, the, the biggest thing that I wrote in my notes is like, I think right now he's further along defensively than he is offensively, which is okay. That's not a, that's not like a terrible, that's not me, you know, putting an indictment on his career saying he's never going to be an offensive player. I just loved what I saw defensively. I, 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 I love the activity. Like we said, um, the competition, the size, the length, the strength, all that stuff was there. And then what you talked about, right. Instinctually with him was really, really good. Um, I, I think for me with the shot, um, I, what I did right here is I am a little bit worried about the shot. Um, I felt like there were a lot of moving parts. Um, I felt like his follow through was kind of going a hard right on a lot of his shots, uh, kind of like a gooseneck, but like one that's like looking over its right right shoulder um, was <laughs> kind of something I put there. Um, but the the thing you said, Corey, like the influential aspect, watching the uh, the global game, global jam, whatever. Also, why do they spell it like that? Global um, <laughs> was something that I was thinking about. But um, I really, I really, I, I 100% agree, man. Watching those games, like you feel his influence on the court. Last week, um, Paige clipped a little thing of me talking about Elliot Cadeau and him being an influential player. I think Fierro is also an, influ an influential player, just a different type of influence, right? Where Cadeau is kind of like a puppeteer. Uh, what do you call it? A marionette? What, whatever. You yeah, know, Mar yeah marionette. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fierro's not that, but he's a guy that like, he's like, um, you know, like one of my buddies recently over the weekend, uh, he, he had been keeping a cooler in his car and there was like water in the cooler and then his car started to smell like shit. And then he realized that <laughs> the water in, in the cooler went bad and like the smell just permeated his car and it smells disgusting. Not to say that Fierro is a disgusting type of guy, <laughs> but he has that type of influence, I think, where it's undeniable, where you can't help but notice it because of his, just his aura and his presence and how he carries himself and how he plays and how competitive he is. Um, and Corey also, something with him that I liked was, I thought offensively, like when he started going downhill with the ball, I thought he was really explosive. Like I actually mm -hmm. thought he had a really good first step and like he's like dribbling and then suddenly he's in the lane. And I was like, oh, damn like that looks nice and was really quick so um i'm with you man i think fiero like we just have to look at him almost as an incoming freshman because just look at last season as a redshirt freshman year he was pretty much with the team but didn't get to play much i know when um severe wheeler went down he played a little bit more but still it wasn't like a lot he wasn't playing heavy minutes so i'm excited to see what type of numbers he puts up with this weird kentucky team and also with them losing losing Shibway, i think they're going to depend on him a lot to rebound you know, mm -hmm. like Chibwe was such an influential rebounder. I, I think Fierro is going to have to be a big part of that as well. So I'm excited, man. I, I think he could end up being, like you said, one of the top guys at Kentucky and may end up being a better prospect than some of the other names. And they have some like weird names there, you know, like Reeves is going to play a lot and mm -hmm. shoot a lot. And they brought in Mitchell, that transfer from West Virginia, who's going to shoot it a ton and, you know, do stuff. So I, I don't know. Even, yeah, yeah. They're going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, no doubt. I but like yeah, definitely forceful driver. Uh when he gets ahead of steam, like he's he's coming to to tear the rim down. He doesn't care if you're in the way, he'll get fouled, he'll take that contact. A stud in transition. Yeah. Like just absolute beast there. I like that he can grab and go and take it himself. I just think he's gonna make other guys better. Like, I'm not saying he's the exact guy. And I think when that I'm about to kind of compare him to. But I think, and also, you know, when one of these guys has like a lot of success, we start comparing like everybody trying to find the next one. 
but like, and he's bigger. So, or, and, and might grow to be bigger too, but like Bruce Brown, you know, he's just like this glue guy who like does all of these little things that makes other guys better. And I think that that's what the arrow is going to be for this Kentucky team. He's just going to be a guy that allows everybody else to be themselves because he's a low maintenance, high energy, just dude. And, you know, that's what I really like about him and his game and why I find him to be so interesting. Right there with you, man. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Now uh, we got one more guy Mm -hmm. on the docket. This is a guy that I know you were really excited to um, talk about uh, because, you know, you you were texting me like, oh, like this dude is super interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're absolutely right really intriguing physical profile. Um, we have, we're talking about Kwame Evans, um, Montverde, uh, I don't know, wing big. Uh, I'm not, not really sure even like how to classify him positionally. Um, but just, a, a really, really interesting NBA prospect, um, with some pedigree and, uh, another guy that I got to see, in person a couple of times this year. I saw him uh, with Montverde, and then I saw him at the Iverson Classic again. He's headed to Oregon uh, to play with Jackson Shellstad, who's somebody that we really, really liked uh, at the Nike Hoop Summit. So what has been so intriguing to you about Kwame Evans? I, I, I think he's he's weird to me. And I when I texted you, I was like, he's a lot of fun. But the more I think about it, like he is fun, but he's also funky. It's kind of yeah. weird. It's hard to, I can't even really put him, I can't even really think of a good comp for him right now. Um, just like the way he moves at times kind of reminded me of slow-mo a little bit, but then also not because like sometimes there are these like athletic moments with him where I'm like, hey, where did this come from? Um, like there's a fluidity to his game, which is really interesting. He's also huge. He's like probably going to be like, if if they measured him today, he's probably like 6'9", 6'10". Big dude. Yeah. Listed at 6'10", um, I believe. Yeah. I think I think he's weird. But the biggest thing that I've been thinking about with him is I think he was carrying some baby baby fat. Mm. Like, I think he was still, like, 17, 18, still hasn't, like, fully reached his athletic physical peak yet. And not, not that I'm saying he's fat, but you get no, what I'm saying. He, like, he's, he's not, just, like, um, he he's not toned. Have, right. He's not toned. Yeah, not like yeah. ripped up. Like some guys just naturally look kind of like shredded at that point. Like he he's got a, a the kind of frame that you would expect somebody to like kind of look like muscular. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and he, and he doesn't have that. It's it's very he's a high school kid. Yeah, I remember Baron Davis telling a story about how in high school he would play like pickup with Paul Pierce and like after games, Paul Pierce would run like all day long and then eat like 12 cheeseburgers on the side of the court. Right. (laughs) And like, you know, like Paul, like never had muscle definition, but was always like a really tough player and like in college and even early on had athleticism. But I I think with Kwame, uh, KJ Evans, Kwame Evans Jr., whatever. I think he's got a little bit of that. Not that he's going to like never have tone or definition or whatever, but I think like what we saw in high school was like just not fully developed yet. 
right? So I think in terms of his physique and stuff, I think it's only going to get better. He looks like a guy that I think is going to add muscle. He's got like a little bit of like longer leg syndrome, a little bit where like sometimes the way he moves around the court, it seems like he's just like kind of waddling and sticking his butt out. Um, <laughs> but I like him a lot, dude. Like I, I like the jumper. I know the percentages weren't great, but I like the jump shot, how it looks. Um, I feel like it's going to be interesting to see how he's utilized uh, in Oregon and what type of actions they'll run with him and, and Shellstad, some pick and pop, pick and roll, all types of stuff. I thought even attacking the rim at times that, you know, not an elite athlete, but I thought he used his length well. Um, there are times where he'd really put his shoulder into guys to create space and to kind of get a layup up. So I don't know. I think there are just a lot of different aspects of his game that have me really, really intrigued and have me wondering like, okay, He's going to be in college with a really good point guard in Shellstad. Um, I think his body and physique will only get better. And if he is given the freedom to kind of continue to, you know, um, spread his wings and try different things, I think the type of player that he might become could be really, really interesting. So he's one of my, like, must-watch guys for this upcoming season. Yeah, because he's got the size and and – seemingly it looks like the length that like you could envision him playing like small ball five in the NBA. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, like his frame and like, it kind of reminds me and the way he moves even reminds me of like Ben Simmons. Okay. Okay. Uh, now obviously like Ben Simmons is like, was pure point guard, like ball in his hands guy. And that's not Kwame, but like Kwame Evans in transition with a head of steam, like, he is a perfectly capable ball handler yeah. and he's got some funky playmaking ability, uh-huh. you know, like I, and I don't think he got to like super show a lot of stuff off at Montverde because that team, like, although I didn't think the team cohesively was like as good as, as they've been in the past last year, like their, their team was loaded with talent, like in, in that front court, like Derek queen, Cooper flag, Sean Stewart, Kwame Evans, like just, guy after guy and everybody's trying to to eat right and then yeah Liam McNeely's kind of they're like so you know uh Curtis Givens and like Chris Johnson like they they just had so many guys so like not everybody's gonna really get to show off their full game and I think he's got a lot of funky skills um so when you picture him at like 24 yeah when he is a little bit more toned and like honing his skills like you can really talk yourself into him being like one of the like most intriguing upside guys to come out of this class, just because there's not a lot of guys who move like him at his size. It's he's, he kind of is like a wing, but is also like kind of a big. So like you said, he's funky, Um, really fluid. I thought he did a really good job as a cutter and moving off the ball. Um, You can use him as a roller. You talked about like the percentages, like he shot, 19% 19% in the EYBL, 23% as a senior at Montverde. Uh, so not great. And, mm-hmm. yep. you know, I think he's got a little bit of like a sidewinder rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his hand placement kind of needs work. But I kind of want to, I hope he can, he gets like the the freedom to shoot it yeah. at, at the next, uh, at Oregon. Um, and I think he will, uh, you know. I mean, Kalal Ware, for however weird that season was, he was, you know, shooting some threes. Yeah. So I, I think Kwame Evans will be allowed to to shoot it. I hope he does it confidently. Like there would be there would be times like um last year and and in the EYBL circuit where he would like dribble the ball up the court and like shoot like an above the break three. 
not always to the best results, usually not to good ones. Uh, yeah. I just read the percentages off, yep. but like, I'm still not ready to give up on him being at least a adequate enough shooter that like it could be a part of his game. But um, yeah, he just, he's just a really versatile guy. I, one of the things that I kind of liked and hated when I saw him live is he would uh, he's got this like mid post turnaround Mm -hmm. jumper that he loves to go to. And like, I don't think it's honed enough that it's something that like he should fall in love with, but it's also like, something he feels really comfortable getting to and goes in sometimes and is like really interesting. If he just works on the shot a little bit to make it that valuable shot. I don't know. He's weird. He's like, you said, he's funky and he's interesting. He's in my lottery for sure. Yeah. I think I have him at like 10 or 11 right now. Uh, Cause I also think he offers a lot of defensive versatility. Like uh, again, I wish I had the clips to show. Cause I clipped this one possession on Elliot Cadeau where he was literally shadowing him for yeah. the entire possession. And then uh, when Cadeau got the ball at the top of the key, like 20 seconds later, he forced him into a really tough shot over his length. And we, you know, we broke down Cadeau last week, like really quick, twitchy, fast point guard. And like Kwame Evans is, is able to move with him. And then he's got some weak side rim protector stuff where you could see him potentially playing big a little bit. Like he's just really versatile. So I, he's a fun, he's a fun prospect. Corey, I think like absolute 1% outcome everything goes well he could be now nah, I'm, I'm getting it. dangerous he I could know. be like a lamar odom type is okay. where my brain is going you know like i really do feel like it's there because odom was a guy that which is why like i hesitate saying odom because odom was such a nasty ball handler for his size but like also odom was never like a lights out shooter right a guy with no. his size length and like he just brought so many different tools to the table <clears throat> which is what made him so interesting and you know he had the career that he had I, I feel like Kwame could be that type of player if everything goes right right and like I, I'm I'm with you Corey and I even like like I love what you said about him defensively like there are times you watch him and like he can look really lost uh, d- defending on the perimeter but then sometimes it's like he'll have these flashes where it looks pretty decent too and you're just you're just like okay cool like if you can find a middle ground where you know you're not asking him to be an absolute stopper on the perimeter every time but if he can hang a little bit then we're talking about a really freaking intriguing prospect so I- i'm with you i really like his game currently i have him at number seven on this weird board that i have going on so where he actually is in my brain i'm not sure but I he's like one of the guys that like I'm really in love with right now preseason, but of course that could change. I love the Lamar Odom comp because I I see it like in in transition especially I see it. Yeah. I just he's I really like his play his playmaking yeah, yeah. really really intriguing and it uh, you know it's like he had this one one pass at the top of the key I think he he threw it with his off hand his right hand and it was just a absolute dime to the rim from the top of the key. And it was just, I was just like, Oh, okay. Like that was, that was something. And then he, he's got this, like he reads uh, defenders when they, you know, when he posts and they send doubles. And I just don't think like he had a little bit more freedom to, to play kind of like more wingy than big in like the EYBL. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I totally see some of the flashes of Lamar Odom. Like you said, he doesn't have the consistent ball handling, um, to, you know, be that point forward. But like, I think you say Lamar Odom for a similar reason to why I kind of mentioned like Ben Simmons, like yeah. there is that fluidity at his size that 
is really appealing to go along with some of like the playmaking chops. And that's Lamar Odom. So, you know, he's got to improve as a shooter. You know, like this is a guy who needs to shoot like 34% from three. Yes. Yes. You know, and that's like, he's a far away from that right now. Like, cause even his free throw shooting, I think he was like 50 something percent at Montverde. I think he was 70% at the EYBL. Maybe those numbers are reversed. Um, so like he hasn't been consistent as a free throw shooter. Obviously the the percentages are not great from behind the three point line. And that shot is going to open up a lot because he does have this really funky perimeter game, but he's a high school prospect. He's, he's not a finished product and he is going to be one of these guys that I think you buy into the tools, but also he might have enough without the tools that he could Mm. still find his way onto the court and develop because that's really important. Like when you're buying a, into a tools guy they have to have enough that they could actually develop and have some freedom so what else do they offer i think he offers enough of the other stuff that you can kind of be patient with the the more raw skill set that he has yeah no 100 percent, Corey. like he, he's got he's got size he's got length i think watching him play defense sometimes was a little tough um if i'm being totally fair i, I love the kid but like sometimes he's just like hunched over and just looks c- completely lost and i'm like all right it's he's in high school <laughs> he's figuring things out you know like it's okay but um he's definitely gonna be a guy that i'm i, I don't i'm like I'm a little irrationally high on him right now, so I probably need to calm down, but I like him a lot, dude. And everything that we've said so far, that should give you reason to be excited because now you're going to look at him in his freshman season playing there in Oregon, and you're gonna we're going to see how he's utilized there, the type of synergy and, you know, uh, relationship that he builds with Shellstad and the type of two-man game that they can run and how he's utilized. All that stuff's going to be really, really fun. So um, once again, for me, like the tools plus his size and, I know the shooting percentages are not, are not good, but I, I don't hate how the shot looks at times. So I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to continue to stay optimistic on Kwame Evans. Yeah, I think that is a completely fair outlook, especially now at this yeah. point. Nothing concrete. He could, you know, have a, a three-game stretch to open the season where he's getting like six minutes a game. We're like, all right. <laughs> 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 might be early, but it also might be a wrap on, you know, yeah. like we don't, you don't know. These are, like we said, they're just chucking darts at a board right now. And, uh, but Kwame, you know, high pedigree guy, yeah, all-star, you know, the the whole high school all-star circuit for him, you know, like Montverde, high pedigree. This is a good bet to, to take a good swing. Um, on upside here for, for Kwame Evans, again, in a weird class that does not have any definitive, that is a dude dudes. Yep. I'm with you, man. And like, who knows, Corey, maybe this is one of the drafts where like the first 10 guys that get taken end up like out of the league in three years. And like the guys, (laughs) all the guys in the twenties become all stars. Who knows? Right. So, yeah. I mean, who it could be the type of thing where guys really just break out yeah. in college and surprise. I mean, that's going to happen. There's going to be a few guys yes. that we fall in love with. Yeah. Um, I think the returning class is going to have some people who surprise us. And, uh, and that's why I liked sneaking in Fiero there. Mm-hmm. Cause you look at like the numbers he had last year and there's like no reason to really buy in, but, if he plays a similar role to what he did at the global jam games, I think he's a guy that could really shoot up some boards. Um, I think, you know, as we continue this on through the preseason, I think throwing in some like sneaky 
guys that we're willing to bet on as returners is a fun exercise for us. Just be like, Hey, I was, this guy played seven minutes a, a game last year, but I think he's really interesting. And you've, you've had a pretty good track record with those guys. Like you, Jordan Hawkins was a guy that you were in on two years ago, um, talking about. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to see which guys you throw out there that, Cause you got a good eye eye for those guys. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. So yeah. I, any final thoughts on any of the three guys that, that we went over? Um, hmm. Final, final thoughts. Okay. So like before we go, I, I just want to say like, I'm irrationally high on KJ just because I've always liked guys like that. Like Lamar Odom will always be one of my favorite players ever. Um, so did want to throw that in there, but Corey, like I think Fierro is a guy that, you know, he may not even put up huge numbers this season, but may end up shooting up draft boards just because of what we talked about today. You know, like it's not always a stats numbers thing with a guy like a Fierro. So wanted to throw that in there. And um, this has been fun, man. I'm excited to yeah. keep doing this. I even think like I think the arrow, he could even have like a Jalen Clark type season, hmm. you know, like or hmm. a trajectory like that, like defensive kind of stopper downhill guy whose swing skill was the shot. And I, I mean, Jalen tore his Achilles and still ended up getting drafted. Right. Like, yeah. you know, and he was having an amazing season. Shout out to, to Jalen friend of the program. Um, but I, I, I just, he's one of those guys that the impact has just felt. So yeah, those guys are really fun to scout. All right. Uh, Albert, tell the, the people where they can find you. Um, you could find me on Twitter at uh, Alberto Gim with an E uh, is where you can find me on on uh, Instagram. I'm at GTG NBA is uh, where I'm at. So come and find me and uh, interact. I'm always down to talk. All right. And uh, make sure that you smash the like button, the subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe, rate and review the show. If you are listening on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. And uh, until next time, We're out. Peace. Peace.